Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and this is the Key Row Film Society, where we discuss pop culture, film, television, uh, music, whatever, from the standpoint, from the view of a confessional Lutheran. Uh, today's podcast is going to be uh, focusing on the, the film uh, Independence Day. But before we get to those reviews, we are going to look into uh, a couple other movies that I've seen in theaters recently. Um, some very brief reviews. And so, with no further delay, we're going to go right into the first, uh, the first movie that, I, had, that um, I saw a couple weeks ago. And here is the trailer for that movie. Alright, so that was the trailer for the movie Warcraft. Uh, came out just a couple weeks ago on June 10th. Um, actually, it's almost a month ago now. Um, but I thought this movie is based off of the video game franchise Warcraft. Um, of which I think there's three movies in the, um, in the real-time strategy game. And then also World of Warcraft, which is the MMORPG which is a massive multiplayer online role-playing game. Um, Warcraft is definitely a movie that's all about entertainment. Um, I went to see it because I did play that game, the game World of Warcraft a lot through college, a lot in seminary, and I enjoyed the game. It was fun, um, especially fun when you got to raid with some of your friends. Uh, 
And because I played the game, I did find this movie to be somewhat enjoyable. Um, I know the critics were not very keen on it. Um, the critics only gave it 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so not a very good review. But for those who played the games, um, you will find it enjoyable. Um, you'll love, you're going to, you're going to, for me, I enjoyed um, seeing Stormwind. I enjoyed seeing Iron Forge, seeing all these places that you played it, that you taken your character to in the game. I enjoyed seeing it. Um, there's all these little things in the movie that made me enjoy the movie. Um, was this, you know, a masterpiece movie that's uh, going to be winning an Oscar sometime soon? Probably not. Actually, definitely not. Um, but it's still entertaining. It's worthwhile, especially if you're a fan of the games. So, um, on a scale, on a five-star scale, I would give it a two and a half stars. There's not much more to say about that movie than that. So, this leads me to the next movie that I want to quickly review, and this movie is Finding Dory. Today's the day, our field trip to the Stingray Migration. Stingray Migration. Migration is about going home, which is where you're from. How do the stingrays all know where to go? Instinct, something deep inside you that feels so familiar that you have to listen to it. <gasps> my mom, my dad, I have a family. We will never forget you, Dory. What if we forget you? I miss them. You know what that feels like? Yes. Then we gotta get going. The things I Alright, so that was the trailer for the movie uh, Finding Dory. Uh, Finding Dory came out in theaters, again, just a few weeks ago. Um, it is a sequel to the movie Finding Nemo, which I believe, of a, which I've done a podcast with. Um, Finding Dory was, it was a good movie, it was watchable, it had some good funny moments, but I could not help but feel it's, the weakness in this movie is it, it fell into the trapping of the old sequels from the 90s. It's something I have not seen sequels do this poorly in a long time. Um, back in the 90s, and I'm thinking of movies like Home Alone 2, Ghostbusters 2, um, you know, the Beverly Hills Cop sequels, the Die Hard sequels. A lot of these movies, when you watched their sequels, they would, they would be so utterly similar to the original movie. They do all these little things 
that actually felt as they're trying to play off of nostalgia, but it actually would come off as um, lazy writing. Um, I think there is a way in a movie when you do a sequel, I believe there is a way, I can't 100% give you the, the formula to it, but there is a way that you can allude to a previous movie without looking like you're, doing, you're getting lazy with your writing. And I think that Finding Dory kind of trips into that a little bit at times. I mean, there's enough originality to the film, but really it's still... It just feels a little bit more of the same thing. They just kind of made certain things on a bigger scale. But honestly, in many ways, it feels way too similar to Finding Nemo. And I... It's to me that's lazy. It's um, lazy writing. Uh, I kind of got the feeling that um, honestly, I don't think the writers wanted to do the movie. And you know, I mean, I could be wrong about that, but that is what I got the feeling. It felt like it was something where maybe the studio said, "Hey, you're going to make this movie. Why? Because we said so, and so they did it." You know, that's what it kind of feels like happened. Um, is that truly what happened? I don't know, but that's what it feels like. And so, like I said, it's a very, very much a let... It's not, like I said, not an awful movie, but it is a letdown just because of the lack of originality that it seems in there. And it, like I said, it falls very heavy into the trappings of the sequels. Um, the... In terms of worldview, there is a worldview in this movie that is worth talking about. I'm not going to talk about it today, but I will I will say that when I do, uh, if and when I decide to review this, you know, from an analytical standpoint, um, there is a worldview in this movie uh, that is troubling, that is a bad worldview, and we're going to um, talk about that at another point. So on a scale of... Um, five stars, I would give it a three stars, so not bad, not great, just kind of an average good movie. So, uh, so with that, we're gonna, so, so there's my quick little reviews of The Finding Dory and the movie Warcraft, two movies I've seen in recent, uh, memory, and now we're gonna, and so with that, we're gonna jump in to, uh, the two mo two movies that we're gonna I'm gonna take on at the same time, and as you know, normally when a movie is still in theaters, um, I don't do analysis in it. Uh, this is gonna be an exception to that rule, um, and I'm gonna so spoiler warnings coming for its Independence Day resurgence. Now I say that, but keep in, I'm gonna let you know that the movie Independence Day resurgence. Uh, is not really a movie I'd be worried about spoiled. There's nothing that surprising in the movie. I'm sorry I just spoiled for you that it's not... It's low on surprises. The... So what we're going to do is I'm going to review both movies, the original Independence Day and Independence Day Resurgence at the same time. And the reason I'm doing that is because I believe that reviewing them together will be helpful. To create some uh, context. So, 
uh, with that in mind, we are going to start with... I am going to start with the original Independence Day movie, and here is a trailer for that movie. The fire departments are asking... It is morning. You wake up. You greet your loved ones. You grab the morning paper. And although it seems like any ordinary day, it isn't. For one extraordinary reason. historic and unprecedented event has occurred. The question of whether or not we are alone in the universe has been answered. This is so cool. Warships have just arrived over India, England, and Germany. I really don't think they flew 90 billion light years to come down here and start a fight. We gotta stop them! They're gonna kill us all! They're using their own satellites against us. The clock is ticking. Alright, so there you go. There's the trailer for the original Independence Day movie. Uh, it was released on July 2nd, 1996. Uh, major actors in the movie. Uh, you had Will Smith, uh, Jeff Goldblum, um, uh, Judd Hirsch, uh, Randy Quaid, Vivica A. Fox, uh, Adam Baldwin, uh, Bill Pullman. Uh, these are the, you know, the, some of the actors and actresses in the movie. Um, Harry Connick Jr. was in there. Uh, the movie is, uh, Independence Day, when it came out, was a huge, huge release. Uh, for those of you who were maybe too young to remember this, uh, this was a really big release. Uh, people had seen the trailers. They saw, especially, that shot of the, you know, the ship destroying the um, Empire State Building, and that was a sh something we had never seen in movies. We had never seen anything like that in any movie that we had ever seen. And that alone sold the movie. People wanted to see this. Um, and I remember watching some of the, good, the making of Independence Day 
shows because people were truly fascinated by how they did that. And it was such groundbreaking. And, I mean, was the Independence Day movie, did it have a great story? No. It was very cheesy, um, kind of juvenile, nothing really complex. But it was fun to watch. Um, it was action-packed. There was um, there's some great uh, battles, you know, with fighter jets. There was, um, you know, some good comedic moments here and there. Some great one-liners throughout the uh, movie. Uh, it had a lot of the things you wanted in a movie. And there's a very... Tra they captured the tragedy. To s they tried their best, especially in... Made use of the soundtrack to capture the drama of what happened and you know it had a it was a lot of good stuff in the movie and like i said it's did it have you know oscar caliber acting no uh was it this was it the greatest plot ever no but it was entertaining and and at points, it actually did have good dialogue. It had good, like I said, those one, those little one-liners that would come. Those little moments were good. Um, you know, I think if there's a scene in the movie, like, for instance, the scene in the movie when they're on the Air Force One after this huge fight, and uh, people are, you know, they're telling, you know, uh, Jeff Goldblum, whose character is David, to get out of here, and all of a sudden his dad says, and he starts, you know, he chews him out. He stands up for his son. And, I mean, is it kind of, is there some cheesiness to it? Yeah. <coughs> but it was still a worthy scene. And it had some relationships. Uh, it told you the relationship of the father, the proud father of his son. That his son may be the person that's gonna, is about to save what remains of humanity. And that is actually end up what kind of happens. And, um, like I said, it's a good movie. There's, um, and somebody actually made the comment about the great little surprise moments, those surprise lines. Like, uh, that, that see, there's a scene where Judd Hirsch is, you know, so like, you knew then, uh, you, you know, where, where, is it? where was it? My father's, well, area 51. And, you know, the president says, I don't, I don't care what, I know what you've heard on the tabloids, but it isn't true. There is no alien spacecraft. There's no Area 51. To wit, which is when the Secretary of Defense responds, actually, sir, that's not entirely accurate. So I, I love that little, I mean, I like little moments like that. That made this a good, you know, entertaining movie. How and so this leads me and so you know on a scale of one to five stars again, uh, I would say that this was probably a three star movie. Um, and so this is gonna and I'm gonna get to the analysis of this, but I don't want to an I'm not gonna analyze this movie until I've analyzed the second movie because like I said, they are interlinked. And so with all, this all in mind, uh, we're going uh, to jump right to uh, Independence Day Resurgence. And before I do that, here is its trailer.
crazy up here. I can't take it anymore. Tell me how much you miss me. Mm, you know how much I miss you. I can't believe it's been 20 years. Still gonna take a father to the anniversary. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. On this day in 1996, the world escaped the clutches of extinction. Your father was the bravest man I've ever seen. We all lost someone we love. But in their sacrifice, we found the technology to build a stronger and safer Earth. Because our survival is only possible when we stand together.
Let's show them some fireworks. They'd like to get the landmarks. All right, there's the extended trailer of uh, uh, Independence Day Resurgence. Uh, uh, came out on... Um, hold on a second, trying to find the date on this. Uh, okay, Jan June 24th uh, this year. Uh, I saw it, you know, just last week. And so, Independence Day... So let's, before I get into the review, let's think about what happened in the first movie. In the first movie, you saw mass destruction. New York City, obliterated. Washington, D.C., obliterated. Los Angeles, obliterated. Houston, obliterated. Not to mention a nuclear weapon dropped in it. As well as all these other cities around the world. Now, I'm a writer. Okay, let's pretend I'm a film writer. I see, have this world. And I get a deal, I get to play with this world 20 years after the event happened. This is an interesting game of creativity. I think specifically of New York. In the first Independence Day, after the attack of the aliens, they show, you know, the remains of the city. You see the, you know, the Statue of Liberty's toppled over, Right? But you also see two very notable buildings. The World Trade Centers. And, you know, they're broken in pieces, but they're still standing. Now, question. Would 9-11 have happened if there was an alien attack like that? I would argue, no, it wouldn't have. I would, I would doubt that they would have um, they would have crashed planes into a decrepit building. So, you're the writer of Independence Day. You get the opportunity to design New York in the aftermath, 20 years after uh, the destruction by the aliens keeping in mind that there is an event happening in real-world history that probably would not have happened in your world history. You could even ask some, do, if you wanted to do something in New Orleans, would Hurricane Katrina happen? Here's a question. How would the environment of the world been affected by what those aliens did? Or would it have? I don't know. There is a lot of things that they could have played with. To really made things interesting. Asking the question, what would the world look like? And this leads into my review on this movie. And how I think they missed out on a very good and interesting movie. Instead, the way the movie begins is you see Washington, D.C. It is rebuilt up. It's built back up. And it looks better than it did before. I don't believe that would have happened. When the largest cities in the world were obliterated, I don't believe that they're going to be able to build everything up that 
fast. I think there would be a lot of things that would still be in ruins. The whole thing of, you know, harvesting the technology of the aliens, I'm doubtful they would have been able to do that. Because most of the, pl the places that have a lot of the technology that they would have needed to do some of the things they were doing were destroyed. In many ways, the world would be forced to start from scratch. And I am not convinced they could come up, could do that in 20 years. And the, further is the fact that the movie has this idea that the world has this, that the world became united. And I believe this is naive. And this is digging into um, some of the worldview issues. And I'm going to get to this a little bit. But it is naive to believe that the world would unite. I don't think that would happen. And I'm going to get to that later. So the movie has been set up for a really intriguing plot. And they didn't bite at all. They went into a plot that really was pretty lame. And that's just the beginning of the weak points of this movie. Um, the way they have... Um, in terms of cast that they bring back, uh, they bring back uh, Jeff Goldblum, they bring back um, Bill Pullman, they bring back Judd Hirsch, Vivica A. Fox, um, and I think there's a couple other people, that they, a few other people they brought back. Beyond that... They have a lot of new people and a lot of people that are missing. And I think that really stands out. Will Smith couldn't make it. I could kind of understand that. Will Smith was overdoing Suicide Squad. So I understand them not getting him. And, you know, if that was the, all they did missed, that'd be fine. However, I would have loved to have seen Ross Bagley, Bagley come back to play Dylan. Or who was the, you know, um, Hiller's. Um, you know, Will Smith's character's son, uh, or stepson in the previous movie. I would have liked to have seen the original actor there. Um, and the same thing with, um, Mae Whitman. I would have loved to have seen her come back. She played the president's daughter in the original film. I would have loved to see her come back. And Mae Whitman and, um, Ross Bagley are, have both been in movies they're both, you know, been used actors. And it's not like Micah Monroe or Jesse Fisher were exactly great actors. They actually did pretty average in this movie, below average. So it's not like they would have missed out on a great acting performance without the change. And so there's probably some, some reason they went what they did, but I don't like it. I wish they would have called them and said, hey, we are doing the Independence Day movie. You two kids were in it, and we'd love for you to be in it again. But they didn't do that. Uh, I didn't like what they did with um, Goldblum's, uh, <clears throat> uh, his ex-wife, ex who apparently he got reattached. They, clearly, they showed in the first movie that he got reconnected to his ex-wife, and all of a sudden, she just drops off the face of the earth. And he's going after some other woman. And speaking of female characters, the first movie had several good female characters. Vivica A. Fox's character, who plays, you know, um, Will Smith's um, fiance. She was a good character. Um, you know, you had the president's wife as a good female character. 
You had um, Connie, who plays uh, Jeff Goldblum's, you know, ex-wife. She was a good female character. You had, you had a number of good female characters in the film. This one had none. None of the female characters were good. They were just sex objects. You know, I mean, that's all it felt like they were there for, was about they're there because of who they were hooking up with. And that's their whole story. And, um, I mean, you could kind of make that a little bit with the three characters in the first movie, but at least those three characters had personalities, and they did things other than um, what was in relationship to who they were with. Um, you know, Vivica A. Fox's character, uh, Jasmine, um, in the first movie, you know, you see her helping those in this crash site at the Air Force Base. Uh, in the first movie, you had the president's wife, who's definitely a strong woman. Um, you have, um, you know, Connie, who has her own personality, and her job, she is an assistant to the president, before you know about her relationship, you know her for her job, you know, working in the White House, before you know about her relationship to uh, David Levinson, Jeff Goldblum's character. They missed that in this movie. Um, you don't have the continuation of... Um, in the first movie, uh, Russell Case's character, uh, Randy Quaid's character in Russell Case... Obviously, he's not going to be in it, but his family. Where are his family? This guy, his family, you know, they're doing this 20th anniversary or celebration of the event or whatever. How do they not have Russell Case's family? The person that discovered how to destroy the big ships, the one who sacrificed himself. I mean, he flew a plane. He crashed a plane into the primary weapon, destroying the ship, and playing a key role in the victory over the aliens in the first movie. Hardly a mention in the entire um, second movie. Where are his kids? How do they not bring those kids back? Alright, so this is... I mean, there are so many problems in this movie following up what it had in the, in the original. And now, with all that being said, is it a worthless movie? No. It actually has some entertainment value. But the fact that it's a sequel takes away its entertainment value because the original movie set up things, had details that this movie is ignoring or has thrown away, etc., etc. Um, so... These are many of the reasons why I would kind of, on a scale of, you know, five-star scale, I'd give it two and a half stars. Now, with all that be, being said, I think it, this is where I want to segue into the conversation about the themes of this movie. And a major theme, and the theme of the Independence Day... Uh, Films, you know, the, the philosophy or the worldview that is being presented in it, I think could be well seen in the speech by 
um, by Jeff Goldblum, by the president, in the first movie. So I'm going to play that speech, and hopefully this will help us begin to think, to really see the worldview in this movie. So um, with that, let me play that speech. In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. But from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. To exist. And should we win the day... The 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. All right, so there's the speech uh, from that scene. One of the it's a very probably one of the most famous speeches in movies. Even though it's probably not the best one, it's a good one. It's cheesy, but there are definitely better ones out there. But it is popular because the movie's popular, um, and it's tied to a holiday, so that helps. But that speech highlights the ideas of this movie. The movie, these two movies, these two movies have an idealized vision of unity. A united world is what is the vision that has been cast in this movie. It is the vision that seems to have become realized um, in the first in the second film. You know, after the alien attack, they come united. And And the thing is, is what is spoken in this speech is actually a very optimistic worldview, but ultimately an unrealistic one. And because here's the thing, is this is being presented from a secular worldview, very much so. Probably presented from the same worldview as the people that put out the coexist uh, bumper stickers. But here's the problem is that when you live in that worldview, you tend to live in denial of the reality of original sin. And that is what I see as playing coming into play in this films is the denial of original sin. 
And this even ties into this conversation about freedom. We're fighting for our freedom. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And, you know, freedom in an American sense is different than the freedom in a biblical sense. The unity that this movie is seeking after, that's trying to envision, is not real unity. It's not unity that's possible in this world. Because the reality is, after what happened in the first movie, what would likely happen is that there would be, you know, the gorillas, um, not the animals, but like the militias or whatever, of, you know, South of African countries or, um, you know, anarchist groups or whatever, they would be the one, they would be scrambling to get a hold of those weapons. And they would use it to gain power. People wouldn't build up the army to wait for the next aliens to come. They would build it up to give themselves their own empire because that is what the history of the world has done. I mean, a major reason for the fall of, the, of Constantinople was because of a particular Romanian king had a sudden desire for a larger empire, and so he started went, going across Europe trying to conquer, and this led the army of Constantinople away from the city, enabling the common enemy to attack the city and sack it. And that's the reason Constantinople is now Istanbul. We as humans have a history of being selfish. Of defending our rights. Defend, trying to preserve our power. While ignoring a greater threat. And the reason is, is because of our sinful nature. Or... We will use the greater threat as an excuse to persecute others, to oppress people, to become tyrannical. Our sinful nature does not allow for the unity that the Independence Day film desires. If this movie takes place in the real world, you know, in a realistic world, I mean, what happens, the peace is not realistic. The realistic thing in a world, assuming it's taken place in the world that we live in, more realistic is that you'd have constant civil war between all different groups of people. And when those aliens came back, it would be a cinch to kill. Because we'll spend so much time killing one another that we will not be able to stand against the greater threat. The movie's naive in its worldview. It's just not honest. See, we as a Christian, we long for freedom. And actually, as a Christian, you are given freedom from sin, death, and the devil. And see, it is only through the freedom that is gained by the death of Jesus Christ the true unity is going to happen. Unity is not going to come because we see a common threat. Unity is going to come only 
by the forgiveness of sins by from through the resurrection of the body the life of the world to come because it only happens in a place where there is no sin and that is not going to happen until Christ returns see when we, we as Christians whenever we come up to the Lord's Supper we taste we preview that unity but ultimately the unity is not going to be fully realized until Christ returns and it is only through Christ that the unity this movie seems to desire can be reality. But the unity that is expressed in the movie, if even if we did have a great attacker like that, great alien attack as was depicted in the movie, it would not bring us unity. We would fight each other. We'd turn on each other and kill each other. That's our sinful nature. The movie doesn't want to, does not even consider it. It's naive. It doesn't live in reality. So, that's my very, my little talk on Independence Day. You know, it's looking, like I said, looking at the promise of peace, of unity, that isn't possible. I hope that as you watch that movie and you notice that theme of unity, it reminds you, make you think of where true unity is to be found. And it is in the blood of Jesus. And may that be the unity that we all share in when he returns. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, again, I, so again, I am Pastor Neil Wemus. This was a recording of the Key Row Film Society. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, go you check out the iTunes station or the SoundCloud station, or even look us look look it up on Facebook and check out some of the other podcasts. You can also listen to some of my sermons. Um, so, and if you're interested in checking out the church that I serve, the churches I serve, you can find out about it at www.iowaoclutherens.org. Thank you, and God bless.